so I guess today we're going to talk a little bit about CES. Um, I recently attended, and Jonathan and I are going to talk about some of the things that came out of it, and I think Jonathan has some questions regarding that. But I guess first we were just looking up the history of CES, and Jonathan was just telling me this. it started in 67, which I thought was interesting. So we're just doing some, some Wikipedia. Apparently it was a spinoff of the Chicago Music Show. That's interesting. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the very... maybe, maybe that's where the pocket radios and TVs with integrated circuits came from that you just mentioned. True, maybe. Uh, it was in New York City in the summer you were mentioning, uh, June 24th through 28th. There were 200 exhibitors and attracted basically about 17,500 attendees. Uh, I wonder how that is in comparison to... CES 2020, which I just looked yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, which, so it's 50. Way bigger. It's like something like 300,000 attendees or something close to that. Wow. Okay. So, this, so <laughs> that's grown. it's grown a bit. Yeah. So the 53rd one. So they, they've had the 53. Yeah. Uh, well, and I guess they killed the summer one because there's a winter show uh, that was held in Vegas, which is the one that we still do today. And the summer one. Um, that happened in Chicago, they just got rid of it. Yep, true. So that's that's interesting. CES, Consumer Electronics Show, and it's sponsored by Consumer Technology Association. Yes. All right, so let me ask you a few questions because uh, this was pretty new to me. I, I didn't go, obviously, and you looked up uh, some exhibitions that were very interesting. Uh, but first, uh, what were your your first impressions of, of the conference? Yeah, sure. So this is, I think, my third year I've gone. So it's pretty cool. It's basically, I mean, I guess first overview, what is this thing? So Consumer Electronics Show, it's basically everybody comes to Vegas from around the world to show off their new tech, cool stuff, whether that's something they're going to ship and launch, stuff that's in progress or just trends of the industry. So this is where a lot of folks come to see what are the trends for the coming year um, and, and sort of how can they get ahead and, and how can they partner up with some of these other organizations. So that's a little background on what CES is and, and sort of how that works. So it's a sort of trade show um, mostly, and then it has a conference piece too. But I guess the, the things that this year, there was a lot more of than, than in previous years. It was a high concentration of smart health products, um, small home products, and a lot more automotive um, products. So some of the big players like Mercedes and Ford, um, they were there as well. So that that sort of has, has come into its own. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, I was looking at your Instagram, and uh, you had some cool things featured there. So um, just generally, did did you like it? What didn't you like about it? What were yeah, some sure. things that, that you kind of took away that you were very impressed about? Yeah, sure. So I think, I mean, I think it's a great show. It's a good way to see what's happening. So I'm going to continue to go. But I think this year there was a really good sort of high quality haptic system. And, and a lot of companies were showing off what the future of haptics may look like. So by, by haptics, I mean like touch and touch feedback. So there's companies showing off um, 
how they put that under silicon so they can put them in like door handles of cars and rather and remove the buttons um, or doing it on like in phone screens or smaller electronics mm-hmm. so you could use them on their underwater for example so that I thought was it's really come to sort of a level where you'll start to see it in consumer electronics as per the show name right so these companies some of them were just showing off their technology but they're they partner and sell it off to other people so you may see it in like the PlayStation 5 for example new haptic controllers and that kind of thing how do you produce a new input and and get that feel so um that was something really cool so in that that was uh Sensel was that the co- the only company doing that or there were a few of them there was there was a bunch so um Sensel was the one that did the uh pressure sensitive haptics and they had done a demo underwater and they had done some demo where they put it under different fabrics to be used um so that was a pretty good one there was also a company um from France i forgot the name but it was um um they were doing haptics and they were showing it off for in the car and what that looks like so um that was pretty interesting so i i have a feeling you're going to see a lot more haptics in products shipping uh this year than you have in the past um we've seen some of it obviously i mean but normally it's based on like a screen input so you get like a visual feedback but i'm imagining you'll get just the the touch input and a touch feedback without a visual um sort of like you do in game controllers a bit more than you used to this year nice i'm actually looking forward to that on on games like or consoles like uh, the playstation yeah 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 so it, actually speaking of game gaming there's this company that i remember from last year they were there this year too um i didn't see if there's anything updates um but they do a a body suit like a vest you wear and you hook it up to game consoles so if you get like shot at or get punched the whole thing vibrates so that you like literally <laughs> feel it in your gut so another like haptic system right yeah yeah you like, want to feel body. some of the pain right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> nice very cool what what were some other um so if i can go down here you said um that you saw a lot of products around cars and uh, technology integrated into cars yeah um, yeah one one of the examples was the sony made uh, the, the the sony car can you tell me about that yeah so sony um did something where they brought out a car as you say and it's totally sort of outside their wheelhouse they partnered with another company i forgot what their name is but i think that their point was not so much we're going to build cars now but we build all the technology to create uh and add to the future of mobility in other ways so that being um self-driving right because mm-hmm. they sh- they make so many cameras and high quality cameras they can produce that um that technology and sell it to other folks um and, and things of that nature obviously they have their own operating systems for for the PlayStation and for their their phones but i think that that was it was really a showcase of here's all of our technologies and now we can partner with some other organizations to to build out their their enterprise side of the business. So a lot of folks probably know them for their TVs, obviously PlayStation and their camera equipment, but now you can imagine you're buying a a, a Mustang or something, uh, any kind of car and all the cameras in the car for for safety and self-driving are now Sony cameras, right? So okay. you may not know but like your iPhone, it's running a Sony sensor uh, for your camera. 
So they're already in that business, but now expanding it to outside of the true quote unquote technology going into automotive. Oh, awesome. Is that, what is the Mach-E for example? Cause you mentioned like the Mustang, right? Yeah. And is that Sony integrated equipment to like a Mustang? So I don't think there's any Sony integration. I was just sort of um, thinking of like a, a way they could integrate, but the Mach-E is Ford's um, electric car. So that's sort of in competition with Tesla's Model Y, which is coming out I think later this year. So the Model Y is coming out later this year. The Mach-E is sort of trying to be the competitive product to that. Um, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to look inside because they didn't, they didn't let folks in, but um, it should be, should be a good vehicle, hopefully. Um, and I guess speaking of that, right, the, a lot of the vehicles were really upping their infotainment game. So the, the consoles where there's music and maps and all this stuff, they're really trying to up that. And some of these groups said, basically, uh, and I think this is a good call, some of them said, look, we should stop doing this in such the same way, right? So if you've ever gotten into like a Toyota or any of these cars, um, Volkswagen, they all sort of have their own flavor of an infotainment system. But by trade, they're not, they're not software companies, right? Like they're hardware companies from the get-go and they've integrated firmware um, as they've gone for all the electrical systems. And now they're trying to build consumer-facing software where folks like Google and Apple already there, right? So, and I think that's where things like CarPlay, Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto have come out. So um, Google had done a demo where they basically showed off um, their fully integrated infotainment system, which I think is really awesome because now OEMs like any of these car companies can just say, hey, Google, um, can you put your infotainment system in our car as the default? They don't have to worry about building some half-baked thing, right? So I think that's pretty interesting. Nice, okay, very sweet. And then the, the other couple of cars that I saw on some of your posts, uh, you have the Biden, is that it? Yeah, 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 the Biden. So they're another electric startup. Um, I don't know when they're shipping, but they they sort of made made a splash when they said they were going to make this massive 49-inch screen like as your entire dash. Mm. So I think they're they're in the leagues for a lot of a lot of the cars being taken over by screens because they're trying to replace the sort of driving experience. So they're like, what do we do with this driver's time? Um, and I think that really showcases a lot in the way Mercedes showed off their their concept car. Um, and that was probably the coolest thing, um, automotive automotive piece at the show. But Mercedes and, and James Cameron's team partnered to make a car um, concept based on the new Avatar movie um, mm. and what that looks like. So uh, fully electric and and sort of self-driving, but really removing the steering wheel and thinking about more the the ambiance of the vehicle. So yeah. if you've seen the movie, right, there's a, they connect through like basically neural net or neural connection um, themselves to build around them, whether that's other animals or the uh, plants. So Mercedes concept had a similar thing where you had this um, sort of, palm rest and that was your quote-unquote connection to the vehicle um, so so trying to really think about removing the traditional pieces of of the automotive world and into a future where you may not be driving it may only be a casual experience so why don't we 
right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that that's uh, interesting because I haven't researched into this, but I, I, I can kind of think back and see just generally how the experience with your vehicle has changed over time. Maybe, you know, in the 60s or around, you know, 70s, uh, there was a driving experience probably. You'd go out on the weekend and drive with, not that I was alive, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I say, like you drive with a family, uh, you know, later in the decades, like having a car was a huge thing. You wanted to, you even where I grew up in Northern California, there were like cruising, like there were like these cruises where in the weekend you take your car out and you almost have like a, a show just kind of cruising down a boulevard. Right. Uh, and, and, and now I don't see that as, as, as frequently anymore. It was like it would be in special car shows or things like that. But uh, now I see that people just get into Ubers or just get cars for practicality, but they're not like driving the car as an experience in itself. It's just mm -hmm. more of now it's a utility, it's a tool to to take you from place to place. Right. And you want that experience comfortable, so you know that and and fun. So you're gonna like want to be entertained, uh, as you kind of mentioned the infotainment. And right. So what what would that future experience look like? Uh, and and this is what they're tapping into. They're kind of imagining a, a future experience of a car, uh, which brings me to the next kind of post that I saw, which was a Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah. a really futuristic looking one. Yeah. Uh, what 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 do they call that one? So that's that's the avatar one I was talking about. So oh, that's the avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th they had partnered. I'm guessing it's going to be in the movie. So I guess we'll see more of it. But oh, okay, I thought that we were of... talking about the button. Okay, good. Oh yeah, sorry. No, the the Mercedes one was the the avatar uh, partnership. So that was pretty cool. I think that was the coolest automotive piece from the show. Um, and and the nice thing was too, they brought their design team there so you could chat with them. Um, so they took a lot of inspiration from the movie, a lot of visual cues. Um, and I think a, a lot of the things that they did, they, may not, they didn't mention this explicitly, but it, it was more connecting to the world outside of the vehicle. So they weren't trying to build a structure where you were completely removed in the same way where like I could put a TV and block the windshield, but mm -hmm. like their, their full doors were glass, right? So I think they wanted you to feel more connected um, to the world around you. And I think you're going to see that when the movie comes out that you can probably see this thing dr like driving in a jungle and you'll see the like whatever palm leaves hitting the window and that'll be part of the experience is being connected rather than removing yourself. Cause I think yeah. that's sort of where we've gone, right? In the whole right. design of cities, we put the car first and we've, we've locked ourselves. So you'll sit in the car, you're in your garage at home, sit in your car, you drive to work, you get out in the garage and you go inside. Like you've never connected to the outside world during that experience. So I think part of their story um, is is about connecting back. That's my guess uh, for the second movie and and part of the concept in the car. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's actually very very interesting. As being a, a way to find the connections with your environment and the world around you, and not that they are incorporating this, but community, people, and 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 as much as what where they live where they're immersed right so exactly that, i look forward to seeing more of that yeah that should be interesting the cool. 
The other piece about um, automotive, there's two funny things, and one of them might be a a segue to your next piece, but one was Hyundai showed one of their quadcopter helicopter transit things. Basically, um, it's like a quadcopter helicopter thing, Um, yeah, like a big drone for people. Um, Oh, right. And um, they partnered with Uber, so they're going to be bringing these things to the to the skies i guess in the next couple of years um as uh, i think that's their plan and you'll be able to like hail a flying uber um to <laughs> to wherever you want to go so who needs rose would just go that's right wow no no we, we're taking it to the next level right getting rid of all this car traffic yeah well i think and i think that's i, I like the way elon talks about traffic um, he says we we live in a three dimensional world, but we drive in a two dimensional world, and that's where traffic comes from, right? So like office buildings, they have multiple floors. There's lots of people on them, but the moment we leave, we go back to streets, just one level, and that's sort of where the boring company, the his company who's building a bunch of tunnels, comes in to say let's bring a 3D layer of connections like physical transit connections to the same way we live and work in three-dimensional space. So it's kind of interesting. I guess Hyundai is taking a different approach. They're going in the air rather than underground. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense uh, with the kind of projects that they're doing. Yeah. Any, any other kind of transportation vehicles or... or um, you want to... The the other thing, which was smaller mobility, so not truly car, um, Segway showed off like this big chair-like thing. Um, it, it, you can imagine like this chairs from Wally, you know, when all the people are sitting on the spaceship and they're just right. roaming around. So <laughs> right. Segway showed off something basically like this, um, uh, and that was sort of interesting. I don't know what the sort of use is or how you would plan because it's it's sort of big. You wouldn't be able to fit it through a standard door. Or I'm not really sure where they're, what the idea for use is. Is it like I'm going to the grocery store that happens to be less than a mile away? Or is it for like a really posh wheelchair? I'm not sure. So we'll see. Um, but that was something that a lot of folks were connecting to Wally. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> kind of uh, making mobility, individual mobility easier. Yeah, exactly. But not entirely sure of the application. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you don't know what to do with this, but it's kind of cool, so why not? Cool. And then I also saw uh, a lot of things around these displays that were partially or could be configured to be transparent. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What there do you think a... about those? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of applications for that, and it seems like we've hit We've hit a point where, again, they've come to a level of quality that they'll be used in, you can see, like, everyday use. So I could imagine, like, retail, um, they're going to use it as in part of their window displays. Um, Basically, anywhere you see glass, you could put it. But I think retail is going to be the biggest ones, then office spaces. And then at some point, it'll come into the home. But... Transparent displays, really interesting because you got to a level of quality where the image was crisp. You could see it even when there was it was backlit or frontlit. Um, and you could use it as like a, 
a marker to move the eye around. So you could imagine um, in the same way that Macy's in New York, they do their like holiday displays and they make them really fun and, and want people to come and like it's an event to go look at them. Um, these eye-catching things, you could do the same thing in like a digital way by having these um, by having these transparent dis displays embedded and you could just upload new content. Or you could sort of thinking into the future, you can imagine like a Minority Report world. So have you seen Minority Report? The movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know the scene after he gets his eyes changed and yeah. he's like walking through the mall and everyone's giving yeah. him looks because yeah. all the, the robots or whatever are trying to sell him dresses and everyone's like, why, why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. can you can imagine a similar world as as you walk by these these glass retail stores that your phone's in your pocket it knows you're there and it starts suggesting items like oh you should take a look at this how about this yeah you know definitely I can imagine and and that kind of scenario has been played in I think several movies and shows now oh yeah for sure it's and, and it it even goes further where uh you're basically able to identify other people or get some sort of information about others as as they're kind of walking beside you or in front of you. Yep. So we're basically shaping out uh, or, or building our imagination uh, as probably always, right? Right. Where we, we kind of had these movies and ideas before and now we're trying to make them happen. Yep. Nice. Uh, well, not so nice for many reasons, but nice that you were yeah, able yeah, to, yeah. to see where we're headed here, uh, because uh, maybe there are some uh, opportunities for intervention when 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 things get a little sour, like privacy and surveillance and things that you may not want, right? Yeah, for sure. But we won't talk. Uh, we won't touch that topic quite yet. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go through some other stuff. You had some bendy screens. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah. What do you think about those? So there's there's a lot of bendy screens, a lot of funny shaped screens. So Samsung obviously had their phones on display, the the Samsung Fold. They also um, there was some other folks talking about bendy screens. Uh, they had a Samsung had a rotating TV, so screens in basically all shapes and sizes, just for use everywhere. That was sort of the idea. Um, mm -hmm. Rolly screens, like LG showed off their TVs again, as they did last year, um, the roll-up TVs. Yeah. Um, so these panels have just gotten so good and so sort of strong, if you will, independent of all the rest of the electronics, you can do as you wish with them. So I think you'll, you'll, you'll soon get more interesting shapes, and it'll be more integrated with, with the components that actually take screens, uh, rather than just slabs of rectangles just everywhere as we see today yeah. you could imagine that to follow some design language of whatever group you integrate these round or hexagonal or sort of nike swoosh shaped screens everywhere right so you get some more original original things or or moving screens right you could imagine if you had a giant like Times square these giant screens are now like if I wanted to make a whole wave, um, phys like physical wave and a digital projection of the wave, you have all these screens like pop out of the walls for an inch or two and then recess back. Something cool could happen from that too. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of applications I can see that. 
very expensive applications, but still cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it it'll continue to become cheaper, right? Yeah, for sure. This technology. Yeah. You know, uh, I also saw on on your post this kind of robotic arm. But before we talk about that, I want to share. Uh, I was basically coming back from San Francisco. Yeah. Or San Jose. San Jose. And in one of the terminals, I saw, maybe it wasn't there actually, maybe it was when I got here. One, at an airport somewhere in California, <laughs> there is this company called Cafe X. Okay. And what they, they have this large, basically, kiosk, and it, they're basically selling coffee, uh-huh. uh, but without a barista. And it's just this robotic arm preparing everything for you. But as it's preparing it, it's basically dancing to some techno music or some kind of uh, electronic music in the background. Oh, it's funny. Okay. And it's just interesting to see it like dance and then make your coffee and then kind of give it to you. And this is interesting for me because I've been writing for the, or I I wrote a piece for the UCLA Labor Center uh, about the future of work. And I basically made the the case as we've seen this observation of where we're not so much, we're basically replacing workers at at a particular place, like like the, the grocery store at the movie theaters at this kind of like, you may not need a, a barista anymore, per se, mm-hmm. and you turn the barista into a sort of operator, right? And into some sort of technician. And so, because there was this technician outside, just kind of ask, answering any questions and doing some maintenance on the on, on this big machine. But the reason I bring this up is because I saw in one of your posts there is this kind of bot. Uh, it's like a chef helping you with the with lunch or to make lunch or something like this. Right. And, and so it's kind of uh, maybe you can tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So Samsung was showing off their I think they called it Bot Chef um, concept, which was this this arm you can I guess get multiple. They showed a demo with two of them. These <clears throat> excuse me these arms that you hook up underneath your like kitchen cabinets uh, and you connect it to their their operating system um, and there's some cameras or whatever so it sees what's on the counter and it'll help you cook basically so the the demo they showed was there was this guy he wanted to have lunch Um, uh, it suggested some things based on what he had in the fridge because they're using a samsung fridge with some cameras whatever great okay so it suggested some food item to cook um, and it would walk him through the steps of the recipe verbally and then it would assist in some so it chopped up the, the uh, tofu for him. And then the bot had asked him, can you put the tofu in the pan? And then he did. And then the bot would like stir the tofu in the pan while it's cooking and then tell him to take it off and like mix it with the other ingredients. Um, so this is sort of, it's like an augmented experience that they were creating between this guy and this robot. Mm. Um and, and how that plays out. So I think I think that's very much in line with what you're talking about. This this Cafe X robot. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's an arm actually. Uh, to to be specific, like it's almost the same thing as what it reminded me of it because it's a robotic arm. Okay, right. That, that's making you that that coffee. Yeah, so it's like the more, I guess, residential version. It's rather than a barista, it's your like personal sous chef. Yeah. Um, 
So that was the demo they were showing. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, obviously, a lot of it's depending on the software that they built because the hardware, I think, is the hardware has been around for a long time. Like car manufacturing plants have been using robotic arms for however long they've been doing it. Yeah. And now we've just made them smaller and cheaper. So it's like, can you make it a usable experience where I can say, hey, can you pass me that? Rather than can you pass me the red bottle that's two inches to your left and blah, 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 blah. It's like, that's not a, you're not going to do that. You just go grab it yourself. It's too much effort, right? To like explain <laughs> the whole narrative. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a little bit, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know what to think of it. Just having this robotic arm kind of helping you cook. Yeah. Uh, they think like everything else, we can get used to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, th there were other topics. Uh, the last one I have on, on um, that I wanted to ask you about were around uh, this kind of fridge that I saw uh, growing vegetables. Uh, oh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was part of the LG smart home offerings. And they basically made a fridge-sized thing, which was a hydroponic um, plant growing system. So you could put in your your vegetables, you put in your whatever, and then like I don't know, a month later or a couple weeks later, you've gotten like full zucchini, um, <laughs> and, and there you go. So now it's you've really localized the production yeah. of the food, which is I guess good because now we're not shipping things from across the world with all those emissions, and the the produce is going to be fresh, so it'll taste better, um, and obviously you can regulate it because you're not building. You're not trying to produce for scale. You're producing for however many people live in your house. Right. So that's that's interesting. Um, I guess we'll see where that comes because at the same rate, they showed another product, which was um, a smart door system where they had a door with a camera and such, and they had two coolers, or not two coolers, but two sort of storage units to one side from the outside. So if you're like the Amazon guy and you come and you have an Amazon box, you put it on and it locks. And then there's another one, which was a, which was a cooler. So if the groceries are being delivered, you can put it there. So I guess they're still building a world where you're going to have both, but maybe they can start to wean people off produce from the grocery. Because if they have a chiller, they're still imagining things are showing up to your house in this concept that they put together. But maybe yeah. not not everything. Just some things are showing up, and some things you're doing yourself. True. Yeah, I mean, I I can also see uh, for cities or places uh, where you don't have a, a backyard and you don't have space to actually grow anything. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Nice. They they had a lot of uh, very interesting things, like I would imagine. What what were the ones that most impressed you? So I think, I mean, I think AR was really good again this year. So last year, AI, AR was really quality. And I think this year it's, it's gotten again, really good. I think the other interesting piece um, was smart home was growing a bit. So it wasn't just your Google home and your Alexa and everything being integrated with that it was thinking about more of a system of things. So it wasn't just things that you see, like your lights and your oven, but what if we can start to regulate power consumption? 
um, like your circuit breakers? Um, what if we regulate and track your water usage at the pipe? So if there's something leaking, we can let you know. These kinds of things. So more more functional and less sort of just for fun pieces. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, there was more of that, which I thought was, was good. What else was there? There was also... We can kind of uh, go through the topics here and see if anything sparks. Uh, so they, they had kind of advertising and entertainment content. Uh, actually, hold on. We don't want to go through that. <laughs> uh, did they have anything around blockchain? That cryptocurrency things? Oh, yeah, there was some of that. I mean, it's all the same, to be honest. I, I was like, okay, okay, breeze over it. I think my issue with that whole concept is you have to be at scale for it to make a difference. Because if yeah. you're too small, um, you can own 50% of the network and then you control it, which then diminishes the value of having a decentralized network. We won't go too down that rabbit hole, but I'm sort of over it. I think, I think there's some real use cases, but... Uh, nothing nothing really amazing yet for it to be worth t discussing. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Canon. Canon showed off. So Canon, actually, this is one of my favorite things that Canon does every year. They have a section of their booth where they've been bring products uh, that they're in prototype phase and they're only concepts. Um, and they just have a section. Normally, it's like three or four products. Um, and I, honestly, I think that's where the show needs to keep going. Like, I wish more companies brought their work in progress stuff and mm -hmm. got feedback and just sort of explored if this was even something people wanted. But yeah. so kudos to Canon, because they've done this every year I've been there. Um, and they bring their engineers and the people working on these projects. So I spoke with one of their engineers about the product. Um, they did a demo of a three-style camera um, that works with your smartphone. So what that means is, you can have a, a telephoto lens, a super wide, and a super macro in this small little um, device that you hook up to your to your phone, but you get sort of Canon-level optics for that. Um, so that was the demo they showed. And they had a working prototype. Like, you could see the, the wires coming out and plugged into the iPad and, like, soldered things and duct tape, right? So a real prototype, um, which is cool. So, and then afterwards... When the guy showed me the demo, he asked some questions like, how would you imagine you would use this if you had this today, this and that. So they're collecting some user feedback, right? Like in the show, yeah. on the floor from the some subset of those 350,000 people, like, yeah. great, it's for free, why not? Nice. Wow. So that, that connects directly to uh, market research uh, slash UX research. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Are, were they the only... The company that you saw doing those kind of uh, kind of feedback and surveys or, or research? Yeah, I mean, they're the ones who've done it the most, sort of most fully. I think I would call what they were doing like basically on the verge of, of UX research, but some of the other folks do some marketing research, just would you buy this? How much would you spend? Um, mm -hmm. That kind of thing, which is, which is fine. I mean, but I, I appreciate Canon bringing that technology. So they brought out their team, their engineering team from Japan's office, brought them here for, for showing this. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, the other really, actually really interesting thing that I forgot to mention was Sony showed off a demo, um, which was, I forgot what the company name is. So I'll look it up real quick, but they showed a demo of a light field 
display. Um, and what this means is you can imagine like we've had 3D displays, but you have to wear like glasses or whatever, um, but there's no sort of perspective, right? So if I look at something, you're not changing the perspective. I'm getting the same perspective. I'm just sliding it left or right to map my view. And the light field projection was like watching your eyes and your movement and then changing the perspective so that it looked like it was a 3D object sitting on the table in front of you. So oh, wow. it was really well done. Um, and the company that actually makes that technology, uh, I guess, partnered with Sony to do this demo because I hadn't seen it. Um, I hadn't heard of them. And I tried to look them up because apparently they were going to be at the show, but they were never there. Um, oh, they're called Looking Glass Holographic. Holographic. So the Looking Glass Holographic Company or Looking Glass, they make holographic displays. So this is what the, the company was. Okay. Looking Glass. That reminds me. I don't know if there's the same company that well back did this video of a day in the life of. Corning? Yeah, Corning. Oh, yeah, that one's really good. Yeah, that one's That's really a good, good video. It is very, yeah. I thought that <laughs> we're the same company, but it's not. Uh, so it's kind of like this holographic, uh, this kind of taking a stab at holographic imaging and holograms. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this has a lot of applications. Again, I think a lot of it's going to be in production. So you can imagine this being in sort of <clears throat> uh, land surveys, product design, testing, visual effects, this kind of thing. I think it's there a lot first. Medical possibly as well. Um, you'll see it there because it's still very expensive and requires a lot of like infrastructure, whether that's high performance PCs and whatever. But if we can start to track multiple people looking at one screen, we can really start to produce 3D scenes without sort of the faux world that you have to create, whether that's with glasses or whatever. Yeah. Not bad. How about the, the, the other topics I have um, I looked up here around things around the Internet of Things? Mm -hmm. Were you able to see something about oh, like yeah. smart, smart cities? or Those smart city things. Or... I think the one piece that um, was interesting, which is sort of in that, that smart world and sort of smart assistance, was what you sent me, actually, and I took a look at was Neon, the um, fully rendered digital sort of AI human things. Um, so they basically you could imagine Siri, but now Siri has a, has a, a, like a body that they show on screen. And that body is fully computer rendered um, using some AI algorithm that they trained, uh, multiple algorithms to like, based on the, the tone of the, the words that are being spoken, the cheek movements and this kind of thing. Um, mm. And it was really lifelike. And I guess mm. it just shows that um, for this startup, which apparently had only been around for like six months. So wow. like pretty impressive, um, but they're, they're also backed by Samsung. So I don't know how much of that technology they sort of pulled from Samsung or how much of it was built entirely themselves. Um, it sort of shows how we're getting into the Westworld-like world, -like world um, yeah. of these technologies. 
which is cool. So I appreciate you sending me that. I took a look and it's pretty interesting. We'll see where they where they go or what they do. Yeah, of course. I mean, you were there, so I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to check that out. Yeah, it's cool. And then around sustainability, um, uh, was it just that kind of fridge? Does it fall into that, the hydroponic fridge? Yeah, I guess maybe it does. I mean, there was a company that does, um, uh, what's it called? Water harvesting from the air. So they have these like solar panel things. You buy them. And if something super cheap, honestly, I when when the um, person I was talking to mentioned, I was like, really, that's it? Um, mm -hmm. And they harvest clean water from the air. And it's like $1,000 for a panel and you get some number of gallons. And we started talking and I said, okay, so if you remove water from the air, then doesn't like our humidity have a problem, this and that? Um, and she said, yes, we've done studies on this. Um, I'm glad you asked because you're like in the 2% of people who actually ask this question, nobody asked this question. And, <laughs> and because I was like, well, if you start removing all the water from the air, we're going to have like global other problems. Um, yeah. And she said, basically, you would need 75 panels per person in a city for it to have any effect, which is like an astronomical number. So yeah. if that's the case, I think we're okay for the the small regions that are using it, whether that's for um, camping or whether that's because you don't want to run infrastructure, it sort of makes sense. Why not? Yeah. So, okay. That was kind of interesting. Uh, what else is there? Very cool. Uh, around health and wellness, what can you tell me? There's accessibility, digital health, fitness. Yeah, a lot of a lot of companies were upping that game. Um, so a lot of smaller companies in that space. So I don't remember all the names, but um, Philips was obviously there as one of the bigger players showing off some of their toothbrushes and sort of that health component. There was companies doing um, applications for mobile computing, whether that's watches or phones to keep people active. Um, there were some companies that were doing almost like Peloton knockoffs those like bikes and treadmills and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So there's some of that too. Uh, I think there wasn't, there wasn't anything particularly exciting. I think it was just, there's more people in the space doing very much the same thing that we've seen already. So price is going to come down, which is good for consumers. But I don't know if there was anything particularly like, oh, that's really compelling in that category. I see. Okay. And then, how about gaming? Uh, I'm always into games. Was there anything impressive that you saw? Yeah, so the I think VR has gotten good. AR has gotten really good. Um, we'll see more of that stuff. The one company, which I didn't see their booth. I don't know if they had one. But I think that's really interesting. I don't think it's going to come to consumer-level gaming yet, but you might see it in, like, arcades or something. Mm -hmm. Is this company called... Um, I think they're called Ultra Half now. Okay. Um, but it's a combination of Leap Motion um, and another company, which they did haptics, uh, which I saw I think last year, the year before. So Motion is is you may have heard the those little the little device you plug it in and it uses 
I think infrared or sonar, I can't remember. I think it's infrared to map your hand so you can use it like as a, as a controller for anything. And then yeah. haptic, uh, ultra, oh, ultra haptic. So ultra haptic was the old name. So it's leap motion and ultra haptic made ultra leap. That was, okay, that's the, the merger name, ultra leap. So <laughs> yeah. ultra haptic made feedback um, panel. So the demo that I saw was basically a game of asteroids. And they had this large array of what looked like little sonar sensors. And you use your hand as the controller and you tilt it left and right to move your little spaceship. And as you'd crash into asteroids or get hit, you'd have puffs of air like smacking into your hand at specific locations based on where the impact of that thing uh, hit. So that was pretty interesting as a demo. And I think they will, now that they've merged, they'll have better sort of data collection of where objects are in space, and then obviously be able to present more realistic feedback based on it. So you can imagine that paired with like VR could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So so all of that kind of experience is, is under kind of this title of immersive entertainment. Yeah. Which is interesting, okay. And then because this is mostly, um, a design podcast, anything around design, there is a design and source showcase. Yeah, so the, there was a company, I think a California-based group, where they actually take designs from different folks. They basically say, hey, come work with us. It's sort of the, um, so you have a cool design for something, you submit it to them, and they help you bring it to market and help you sell it and what they do is they just take a, a commission from it um which is cool so there's someone offering services to help bring ideas to life so that was a cool design thing i think sort of outside of that specific design case i think the the seriousness that companies have taken to their design marketing materials physical design software design has just been elevated so much more than it used to be, even for, for some of these stuff. Um, even if they're not specifically trying to sell an end product, but a business product, the mm -hmm. demos they were showcasing, the way they talked about it was very much built around some kind of UX story or some, there was some narrative to it rather than this is just some te technology in most cases. Right. So that was good to see. I think design has, has sort of hit, hit mainstream at this point. So, it's good to see folks building off of it. Nice. Very cool. And then the um, other topics that are left, uh, and you don't have to talk about them if they're not all that exciting, but there's a, I mean, around sports, I guess there's esports and sports technology. Mm -hmm. Where uh, Was there anything? Yeah, so the I think within sports, um, a lot of the demos, which I think you can use even outside of sports, were motion tracking controllers and bringing the price down so much. So what you could, what you would traditionally see in like motion capture movies where they come and put these little dots uh, sort of all over your body and then they put you in a room and they have cameras everywhere tracking these things and then they could make like a digital version of you for the movie. Yeah. You can now do that with like a couple bracelets. Um, oh. And it's like a couple hundred bucks this company showed. So 
I thought that was pretty interesting um, because like these personal trainers or these, these coaches could use it now. Like you imagine you're, you're playing tennis or playing golf and you're like, Hey, why is my stroke off? The, the thing that these folks had before was just video, but now they can see sort of a three dimensional arc of, Hey, at the last minute, you, you like snapped your wrist, you shouldn't have. And that's where the problem comes. You brought that to mainstream. So now you'll see probably these, these coaches that are doing like personal trainers and personal coaches having this technology at their hands, which is interesting. Mm, wow. That is very interesting. It, it reminds me of a company that we used to work for where, where they could use this type of, of technology, but where they would track everything except the ball, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so that, that sounds uh, very, very cool. Like you had a lot to look through. And you mentioning basically having gone to CES the, in the past three years in a row here, what, what has changed and how does this compare to previous, previous years? Yeah, so I think every year you sort of see, you see an ebb of flow of what companies could sustain or what they couldn't sustain. So I think maybe last year, the year before, one of them was like blockchain, AI, everything. And people were just throwing it on literally everything they could sell. And it was just like, this is goofy. You guys don't know what you're doing. Stop talking nonsense. So, and you saw it, right? These companies didn't survive and they didn't come back because it didn't make sense. Um, I think last year was really high in AR and VR. Um, again, this year we had a strong presence of that. So you see, hey, there's there's a real market for that. It's it's sticking around. It's gotten It's gotten to a quality and now it's come down so much in price. Um, I think this year you also saw a lot more smart home stuff, um, a lot of that growing, and as I said, a lot of auto- automotive pieces, um, and a lot of integrations with some of your big big players. So whether that's um, whether that's folks like Google and Apple um, for their operating systems or their their voice assistants or Amazon Alexa, things like this. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think those are the big ones, and I think the other piece is if anybody's going, make sure to stop by Eureka Park, which is the the showcase of all the startups. So there's a whole hall that's just startups, um, and make sure to check that out because a lot of the times you'll see some of the most interesting stuff there, but they don't get the press. You'll see Samsung in the press and whatever, um, but obviously you you'll see their stuff on shelves or you'll see them on CNN, but the startups don't have have the same same scale. So definitely check those guys out. Um, there's always some interesting stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, kind of getting into, you know, why go, which makes me think of questions uh, around, you know, what kind of people go? Mm. Uh, what kind of people do you recommend particularly? Or why would you recommend UX? To go? To go check, check, yeah, check out these yeah. kind of companies. Well, actually, that's one other interesting thing that's changed over the years. So let me go back and answer your question. You just reminded me is I appreciate the companies who've been brought brought more of their designers, more of their engineers, more of the people actually making the stuff that they're showing. They brought more of those people this year than they ever have before, which I appreciate because, and this comes to your, your sort of follow-up question, is a lot of the times my uh, I've gotten, wow, you're very technical, 
um, asking these questions because I want to know the details. And sometimes they can't answer the question because they brought either they're, they've hired out their, some, some uh, consulting firm that does sales work and they're presenting the product so they don't know how it's working or all the details or their team isn't equipped to, with that knowledge because that wasn't their intent, right? So mm -hmm. I appreciate that they have more of that because talking through that brings value to potential partners, which is a lot of what these folks are looking for, or just building out for the industry these new innovations. But folks that I think should go, I think everyone can go. Um, I don't think there's any particular reason why you shouldn't. I mean, unless you don't like walking, don't go because you'll be walking like 10, 15 miles a day inside. So, um, but a, a lot of the folks that show, I think are, they seem to be um, sales folks, um, people who are buyers. So whether that's people who work for large retailers who are actually buying and wanting to sign contracts to sell this, these things in their store mm -hmm. or um, companies or individuals that represent larger companies who either want to buy these small companies or license or integrate their software or hardware into their own products. So mm -hmm. a lot of it's that, but I think as a designer, it, there's a value to going because you see, again, you see all this new tech, you see where people are, are thinking about going, you see some new ideas, get some new inspiration. Um, to build out your own stuff, um, new ways to explore. So I, I recommend it. I think it's it's sort of it, it's sort of on par with with a conference. Even though people are like, oh, it's not really a conference. Sure, but you're getting just as much input sort of at your own pace rather than listening to somebody. It's choose your own adventure. So it, it is more of a trade show, but you still get exposure to all these new technologies. People who represent that that industry or, or that thing um, and, and how you go about it. So I recommend it. Perfect. Yeah, next, no, I'm going to try to make it over. Next year, <laughs> next year. Let's go. Yeah, I'll see you there. It is, it's fun. I can imagine just even as a designer, creator, innovator, or, you know, if you're into just electronics, uh, kind of getting some ideas. For me, it's always kind of what ideas can I tie in together from what different kind of technologies that inspire me to, to even write about, for example, or, right. or experiment with, or maybe what kind of company do I want to work for? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's out there? And then seeing the trends, as you're, you're kind of mentioning year to year, you're seeing what sticks around, what doesn't, not only, you know, regarding products, but ideas. Kind of the, the 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 patterns of thinking uh, and where we're going, mm -hmm. which is which is probably most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Excellent. We're hitting the 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 hour here. Um, is there anything else you kind of wanted to share about the the show, your experience, or anything that ties in with with design? Hmm. I think. I think the last piece I'll say is, so as I mentioned, there's a lot more um, companies taking design seriously. So if you're trying to get into that space, it's a great time, obviously. Um, and there's a lot more people who are looking for design, but that also is a, a good time to investigate what how they define design, right? So what does that mean? 
um, if you're looking for new roles or just trying to get in the industry, is find out how they define it because a lot of people just throw around words. Um, mm -hmm. So that'll help. I think that's a, a good piece to, to recommend, sort of a good, good note to take, but uh, not specifically to the show, just a general sort of at the, at the, at the time in, in the years, I guess we've hit, we've hit that peak design. So something to think about. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Design Gold. To learn more about the show, follow us online at designgold.xyz.